It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. What are sanctuary cities? Which cities participate around the U.S.? And how does it all work? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. So depending on where you live, you might have noticed that buses of migrants have been arriving frequently in your area. Part of that reason might be because you live in a sanctuary city. Sanctuary cities were established during the mid-1980s during the Sanctuary Movement as conflicts in Guatemala and El Salvador forced residents to seek refuge in the United States. At the time, it was the churches, synagogues, and other houses of faith that offered migrants asylum. As time went on, several U.S. cities welcomed migrants as well and still do to this day. So when were sanctuary cities established? Who decides what can become a sanctuary city? And how have they transformed amidst the crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border? There are a lot of questions to be answered, and here to talk to me about all of it is Senior Fellow at the Migration Policy Institute, Muzaffar Chishti. And Muzaffar joins me now. He is actually in studio. It's very exciting. We're looking at each other in the eyes, and it is just such a blessing to be able to do this I in person. Know. So much better to do face-to-face. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. All right. So our topic today is all about sanctuary cities. So let's just start with a basic definition. Well, that's the first lesson about sanctuary cities. There's no legal definition of a sanctuary <laughs> city. Uh, this is sort of a catch-all phrase to describe states and cities in our country which don't fully cooperate with immigration enforcement, principally ICE, which is the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, but the history of the sanctuary cities, which also has some understanding of its roots of the word, are in the uh, Central American migration of the early 80s. This is mostly people coming from Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala. And uh, churches in our country decided to provide them sanctuary in the classic biblical sense. Like a safe space. Like a safe space. So that meant that they were frequently giving the meals and shelter, but they also signaling to the immigration service at that time that if you come looking for them, we're not going to let you in. This is their safe sanctuary in the biblical sense. So that sort of became the church-driven explanation is the best background to the sanctuary city. And then I think some cities, San Francisco comes to mind, I think early as 1989, started calling itself the city of refuge and had an ordinance of the city of refuge that we're not going to hand over immigrants to immigration service at that time. I think it was that, in my memory, got dubbed as the first sanctuary ordinance in the city. But since then, it basically is, everyone uses their own definition, uh, but broadly speaking, it is meant to describe jurisdictions. They could be states, they could be 
municipalities, there could be counties where the either the elected officials or the uh, police officials have decided that they don't want to fully cooperate with ICE. Okay, so how do you get to that point? How do you say, I don't want to fully cooperate? What needs to happen uh, from a legality perspective? So there are a number of examples of this, and that's why it's a catch-all. The, mm-hmm. the, frequently, we miss the nuance of each of these. Uh, the most uh, well-known of these are what we call non-compliance with detainers, which means that the federal government, ICE in this case, ICE is again Immigration and Customs Enforcement, they may know that some immigrants serving a jail term in, let's say, downtown Manhattan uh, has an immigration problem, that they are violators of our status. They are unauthorized. They shouldn't be in the country. So they know he's in the jail. They tell the jail officials, look, we're issuing you this detainer that you should detain this person after their sentence runs out. Don't let him out of the street. We want to come and pick him up for immigration enforcement. These are called detainers in mm-hmm. la- in the legal language. Many jurisdictions say we don't want to respect these detainers or that we want to respect detainers only with respect to some criminals, not others. New York City is one of those jurisdictions that, look, the mayor and the city council a number of years decided that only really serious criminals, robbers, rapists, murderers, that will the city cooperate with the federal government. In other cases, we will not accept these detainers. The second would be that we will not ask any immigrant about their immigration status if they come in contact with a law enforcement officer. Like if a police officer catches you spitting on the sidewalks, he or she will not be authorized to ask you about your immigration status. These are sort of the most classic. That would also apply to someone pulling someone over a traffic violation. That look at the end, what's your name? Well, you know, what's your date of birth? If you then ask what's your immigration status, many jurisdictions prohibit this. So these are sort of the various examples of what kind of policies get a jurisdiction to be then dubbed as a sanctuary city. Okay, so if you get caught doing something, they're not allowed to ask you your status, but how do you get to that point? In general. So, um, you know, Chicago, that's a sanctuary city. So if you are coming over from, let's say, Mexico, how are you not detained before you get to Chicago if you come over illegally? So the first point would be at the border. You cross the border. And if you're trying to catch it, obviously not at the port of entry where you would have to present your papers to and customs and border patrol officer. Uh, and if you don't have papers, that you are trying to enter the country illegally, which is what's happening with the with the number of Central American migrants showing at the border today. They are actually not sneaking at the border. They're coming straight to a border official mm-hmm. saying, hi, right. I'm here, right. and I'm seeking asylum. Yes. So that would be a classic case of a port of, you know, port of entry. But a lot of people try to sneak in, as is popularly called, between ports of entry. And so they'd be caught by a border uh, patrol officer. And the border patrol officer would say, thing, are you, do you have authorization to enter the country? If they don't, then they could be put in proceedings, which we call expedited removal, that look, you have any basis of entering here. If you're not, we're going to expel you back to Mexico. And if they make an entry and they escape the border patrol, then they reach a place like Chicago, 
they have entered the country without authorization, illegally. Entry first time without authorization is a misdemeanor. But if you have been deported and you re-enter, that is a crime. Mm. So therefore, if you're, if you're apprehended in streets of Chicago, though no one apprehended you the border, you made all the way in a bus to Chicago, and you got apprehended by an ICE official, you could be then prosecuted for a felony because it's an illegal reentry. Okay, so that's only for reentry. So if if you come across, I'm just this is at top of mind because of what's happening in Chicago and Texas. So if if um you know some of these immigrants are making it to Chicago on buses, um, Governor Abbott is sending them to Chicago. Mayor Lightfoot now has these people. That's their first time coming into the country illegally so they can stay? Is that how that works? So what typically the ones that are coming in the buses, they have been allowed in by Border Patrol. Border Patrol met them. And Border Patrol, they told Border Patrol in almost all cases that we are fleeing persecution. We are being persecuted on X, Y, Z grounds. And then the Border Patrol tells them, okay, we're going to give you a hearing in Chicago or we're going to give you a hearing in New York. So there, or they said report to an ICE office in New York. In the past, before the busing, people who used to go to places where they had relatives because you need a connection. At that point, they'd be asked to either show up for a hearing before an immigration judge or show up at an ICE office. So now they're coming to Chicago. They will be in a hearing seeking asylum. But that determination of asylum could take a long time. Mm -hmm. And that could then be appealed. And that could take longer time. So that's what has led to the outcry that a lot of people just come and wait out their system. And it's also true that if you don't get removed from the country soon after you arrived, the chances of removal get less and less. Right. Um, yeah. So how do you, I mean, if that's happening, how do you manage those numbers in sanctuary cities? You have people who it's their first time maybe coming over. Um, how do you make sure that your city has the infrastructure for all of that? Because that's part of the conversation too, is, you know, Governor Abbott is having all these immigrants and there's just, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of them that are being let through. Yeah. So the, the debate about the sanctuary city, is different from debate about asylum. Let's be let's be clear. We have an asylum problem. Right, we have a real, right. That is true in Texas. That's true in Florida. That's true in New York. The what I think we don't know what Governor Abbott is trying to do. Obviously, it is clearly driven by the politics of the election that he wants to send a message to sanctuary jurisdictions, which in case are all blue jurisdictions, that, look, we in Texas have to face this music all the time. I'm going to give you a little taste of the music. I'm sending them up there. That's the message. The problem is that it doesn't, I don't know what problem it solves, because it doesn't, it doesn't send a message to immigrants don't come. Right. That has to come from up top. That has to come from a very different place. And it smugglers use it. I mean, you could actually say that the busing has suddenly become a selling point for smugglers to tell people coming from Venezuela, do you know that you could get a free bus ticket to New York City? Right. And then they would, you would get a shelter space here. And you get, so that sort of becomes a And that's not just happening fact. in Texas. I mean, that's happening 
out of his in, control, out of exactly. Governor Abbott's it's control. So it's kind of the the what people thought were sort of becoming penalizing towards immigrants by sending them to a place like may land up becoming, ironically, a welcome news for them. Well, I think, yeah, I think there's looking at it probably as I, I can be shipped to these states and I or cities and I can get the, this help that I need. So it is encouraging more people. But I think that's coming probably that that's got to come from way. Up it's top the unintended consequence. Yeah. yeah the, the challenge of the border is real, but that's true for that is having an impact on all states and cities in our country. Yeah, so what's the difference? Can you have a sanctuary city, but not a sanctuary state? Yes, so you could have what we call red spots in the blue state or blue spots in a red state. So Texas is a good example. So Texas, Governor Abbott actually, I think four years ago, called the, uh, uh, I think the city of Austin, Travis County, and said that Travis County is a jurisdiction which offers sanctuary, which means it's not fully cooperating with ICE for the sake of definition, and told them that you're going to be seen in, compli- in non-compliance with the state law which does, or the state constitution, which doesn't allow you to be a sanctuary. So I'm going to penalize you by not giving you funding. So states also have these issues of what to do with sub-jurisdictions. As there are some blue states in California, there are some counties which will not accept the state's policies. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the state there has to decide. So that's the meaning for all of us listening to this, is that given the political paralysis about immigration, we have immigration policies like Swiss cheese. Like one jurisdiction has one, you go 10 miles away, it has a different jurisdiction, different policy. That's not good for national cohesion. Yeah. So what what happens if if you're a sanctuary city, you have to accept these immigrants? Is that how it works? No, no, no. no, no. The definition of sanctuary city, as I said, it's all, there's no definition. Okay. So it's all, everyone has their own definition. I see. In New York City, it just means that New York City does not hand over every immigrant twice. Okay. I was curious because as Governor Abbott sends these buses, because he's like, hey, we we are overwhelmed at the border. We're going to send them to Chicago. Mayor Lightfoot is saying, oh, we can't accept them all. So that's, you know, she says they're welcoming, but they're not really, they're you know, there are limits. So that's why it goes back to my question of how do you manage those numbers and yeah, things so like there, that. These are limits. And I think it's soon we found the blue jurisdictions are going to test their limits mm-hmm. as much as states of Texas and Florida. All right. We've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. How many sanctuary cities do we have? Well, there's no real count because, again, since there's no definition, but, you know, there are well-known states which are recognized as, again, this is all fluid definition. This is popular definition, not a legal definition. And there are, you know, well-known states are California, New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, uh, Maryland, D.C. Then there are like 300 all small jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. And why we know there are 300 all jurisdictions, that during the Trump administration, he tried to use the penalties against sanctuary cities. It was one of the things that uh, Trump promised during his campaign, 
I want to penalize sanctuary cities. And in many, I don't know if you remember that in many of those campaigns, he would have parents or relatives of people who had been killed by someone who had been released by ICE or released by local jurisdiction. So it was politically important. And so when, during Trump administration, states and cities which were deemed sanctuary places were told, we're going to stop funding you for various law enforcement for, from uh, grants from federal government unless you stop your unless you stop your sanctuary policy. That's how we know there are about 300. Okay. And then what determines... How has it become an agreement that a city is going to become a sanctuary city? So the only legal definition that has been used, and I'm glad you asked it, is Section 1373 of the 8 U.S. Code. It was a law written in 1996, which basically said that states and localities cannot withhold any information about an immigrant status in their place. That's the law. And uh, Trump administration said, you're withholding information. Mm -hmm. Now, this is very technical. This issue has gone to the courts. Actually, Mayor Giuliani was the first one who challenged this law when he was the mayor of the city of New York. And he challenged it on the basis of the Tenth Amendment. That look, you, under the Tenth Amendment, you can't force states to do something. This is called anti-commandeering uh, provision of our Constitution. And he said, you're forcing us to give information about people. That got litigated, and basically the law today is that you're not required to ask anyone for any information. But you, if you have the information and federal government asks you for the information, then you have to give it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're in violation of the law. And these cities, they say, we don't have the information. We don't ask for the information. How can we give you something we don't have? was sort of where the law today is. And that's why I think most of these cities have ordinances which don't which prohibit officials from asking information about your status. Because once you have it, then you're vulnerable that you have to share it with the federal government. So no city was actually penalized. To be completely fair, this process of trying to penalize the states and jurisdictions was started by the Obama administration. It was started actually on the city of Chicago, I think Cook, Cook County. They were told that, look, you're not giving us information that we want. They, it never got to the, to the final outcome. And Trump administration tried to follow it, mm -hmm. and three courts said that you cannot stop funding cities and states just because they're not, they're not complying with you. So just to be clear, the sanctuary cities are housing illegal immigrants. They're not housing, no, no, no. They're not doing that at all. The, the, the definition, popular definition of sanctuary jurisdiction in the state society is not that they're hiding or they, they're just not complying with ICE in getting information or holding immigrants if they want to hold them. Okay. It's just non-cooperation with ICE, which has branded these jurisdictions as sanctuary cities. But those can those are immigrants who have been released by ICE. They, so technically they're legal or they aren't? Many of them, uh, some of them could be legal and most of them we think are unauthorized, either because they entered the country illegally or they entered legally then overstayed their visa. That's how you become unauthorized. Mm -hmm. 
So I know we kind of touched on this earlier, but can you take me through the difference between people who are in sanctuary cities or states and people who are seeking asylum? Yeah, again, these are the, the, the states and cities have nothing to do with asylum. They have no authority over asylum. Processing of asylum, granting of asylum, or not granting of asylum is completely a federal responsibility. And that is uh, determined either by an asylum officer who is a DHS official or an immigration judge who is a Department of Justice official. States and localities have no role to play in that, mm-hmm. literally zero role. Why states and jurisdictions which are sanctuary get involved in this is that if anyone, an asylum seeker, let's say, or someone who has not applied for asylum is unauthorized and is picked up by the police, the police in a sanctuary city is not going to report you to ICE unless you have committed a serious crime. That's the difference. I see. And then did it was it always about immigration? Um, because I was reading something that I think it was Berkeley was a sanctuary place for U.S. Navy people who had um, resisted the war in Vietnam. Is that how all of this started? Yeah, sanctuary really is almost, to repeat myself, goes sort of to the biblical terms. Mm-hmm. It's sort of giving you safety. So you could give safety for almost anything. You could give safety to to uh, draft dodgers. I mean, you could argue that Canada was the biggest sanctuary country of the country when U.S. citizens dodging the draft during Vietnam went to Canada. That's your old mother of all sanctuary definitions. So similarly, Berkeley may have been given protection to people who are who are sort of dodging the drug. Yes, it's it's sort of preventing you from getting in the hands of the authorities. That's what a sanctuary is. It could be for tax law, it could be for draft law, it could be for immigration law. In the modern context, it has been understood to refer to immigration. Mm. Okay. And then um, I I know you kind of touched on this, but I just, this podcast, I like to go really deep into it. Um, You know, when it comes to the law, obviously we have a set of laws here in this country we have to follow uh, and you're penalized if you don't follow those laws. So what makes sanctuary cities exempt from that? Um, You know, what's different about that than me being able to go commit a crime, a non-serious crime and be given refuge? Again, they're not, they're not going to be get uh, – New York City can't give you refuge, really. Again, this, we should be very clear about it. New York City, you know, this is sort of what I like to say, journalists. You know, the mayor of the city of New York is not hiding illegal immigrants under his desk. Mm-hmm. That's right, not what right. sanctuary city is. All that New York City is doing is that, look, if ICE is asking us to send them people from our jail, let's say Rikers – after they finish their, let's assume someone has been arrested for whatever it is, uh, theft, and they serve their term. They may be unauthorized, and I say, look, after they finish their sentence for theft, could you hand them over to us? We want to deport them. New York City policies, we won't do that. We will give you these people only if they're serious criminals. That is a decision that city council and the mayor have decided, and that's true since... Mayor Koch in New York City. So there's a long history here. So that is the only protection unauthorized immigrants have, is that if they have not done a serious crime, they are reasonably safe 
that they're not going to be handed over to ICE for deportation because of their crime. I see. So if one of these immigrants are in a sanctuary city and someone finds out that they are here illegally, if they have not committed a crime, they will not the, – the city is not required to report that Cities, type. exactly. City is not required to support it. But take the example on the other side. So we have a spectrum. So there are some cities and states which say we don't want to fully cooperate. Let's be, they're not, none of them are saying we don't want to cooperate at all. No one is saying if an axe murderer has been is in a jail in Rikers, the mayor is going to say, "I'm not going to hand that person to you." No one. Is, he said that we're not fully cooperating with you with respect to every. On the other hand, on the other side of the spectrum, there are jurisdictions which forbid cities and localities in their states from becoming sanctuaries. Mm. So you have both ends of the spectrum. Some want to be fully cooperate, so that if some uh, small jurisdiction says, look, I don't want you to sign an agreement with ICE. There are many, since uh, 1996, states and localities actually can sign agreements with ICE. It's called the 287G agreements, whereby they sort of deputize. ICE, ICE deputizes local cops to become like, do some of their actions. Like if they find someone in the jail who's reported, they could refer that to it. It's done under an agreement. And some jurisdictions say, we won't allow you to sign an agreement, even though it gets you money, it gets you some. we won't. So that's the opposite of, of the sanctuary jurisdiction. So again, there are, as our country is polarized on lots of things, it's polarized among which states and jurisdictions are more cooperative ICE and which are less cooperative with ICE. Who within that jurisdiction gets to make that call? So it either gets made by the city council. Okay. In the city of New York, the city council made the resolution. Or it gets made by the mayor. Or it gets made by the governor. In some cases, it gets made by the local sheriff. In some cases, it gets made by the local police commissioner. And again, let's all remind ourselves, it is happening in a world of limited resources. Like even in a city like New York, which is big and well-financed, our cops do not have resources to go after every criminal in our, country, in our city. That's, that's a given. We can't go after an axe murderer and someone who spits on the sidewalks, even though that may be a crime. Which, so every police department, every law enforcement agency has to establish priorities. So you could say the sanctuary city phenomenon in some way is a reflection of the priorities that the city has set. City has said that, look, for our limited resources, we'd rather get murderers and rapists out of our city instead of spending limited resources on someone who has just pulled, you know, his girlfriend's or boyfriend's hair in a fight. Mm. That's the distinction. We'll be right back after this. So then what do you think, um, you know, just I always love to wrap these up with what you think is the most important thing people should know about sanctuary cities or something that people might get wrong. If you had one one minute just to give it to them straight. That this is, an, this is a misunderstood phenomenon because people ha- think that there is a clear-cut, legal, ironclad definition of what a sanctuary city is. It doesn't. There's no legal definition, and this is a popular catch-all phrase to encompass a large variety of policies of states. I think some of those policies are good. Not all of them are good. Just the, 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 the present debate on sanctuary city was brought to fore in 2015 
by killing off a young woman in San Francisco called Kathy Steinle. She was killed on the San Francisco Pier by a Mexican man who had been deported six times to Mexico and came back. And then he was caught for a drug possession. And then he was released under the ordinance. And then he committed the crime. At that time, there was a rallying. She became the poster child of the current debate on sanctuary cities. In fact, a senator introduced laws in Congress, in Senate called the Cates Law to prevent states things like from happening. I, for one, believe that that was just a misplaced priority of the of this city of San Francisco. That, look, someone who has been deported six times, even though he is not there for, uh, is not, he is not an axe murderer, but he is there in your jurisdiction for, for, for a violation of drugs, you should not let him go out. That they have to, we have to make distinctions in these policies even. That some policies make sense, some do not make sense. Simple would be that if you're making, if you're caught for a traffic violation in downtown Georgia, under the Georgia law, you would be handed over to the, to the cops. That doesn't make any sense. On the other hand, if you're caught committing a serious, particularly serious crime in San Francisco, nothing may happen to you. That should not happen. Either of these two things are bad for our country and bad for law enforcement, bad for national cohesion. We should have a much better understanding at a national level as to who is worth enforcing our laws against and who is not worth enforcing our laws against. Mm -hmm. And it should really not become a patchwork of Swiss cheese, which is what has happened in the absence of federal action on immigration. Mm. Last question I'll ask you, and I know that was supposed to be my last question, but you said something that kind of sparked something for me. Um, some of these immigrants, uh, this this year and last year, just by numbers, the sheer volume, a lot more people are coming over. They're catching more um, pe- people are who are coming over for nefarious reasons. So within a sanctuary city, until that person commits another crime, they're safe there technically is – like, let's say someone's coming over who is a drug smuggler and they're bringing up, bringing over all this fentanyl and they're now in a sanctuary city, but they haven't been caught with the fentanyl. They didn't get caught when they came over by ice just because they're flooded. You're coming over. Um, will they then be safe in that sanctuary city until they commit another crime? Uh, well, they have to be caught. I mean, how do you how do you? How do you do enforcement action unless you do an enforcement action? Someone has to catch them. Mm-hmm. So if someone catches them, whether it's the federal authority or the city or state or on the basis of some evidence they have, they catch him. I can promise you someone, a smuggler like that, will not be let go even in a, in a, in a sanctuary jurisdiction. That is a serious enough crime that even in the city of New York, if that person is taken to jail— that person will be handed over to ICE at the end of the term. Mm-hmm. I see. So it goes back to that seriousness. It's a seriousness. Of, and mm-hmm. each jurisdiction defines the seriousness. I see. Well, thank you so much, Muzaffar, for coming in. Uh, I really appreciate the conversation and your insight into this and hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much for having me and look forward to another conversation. miss anything from class these are my office hours and here are some top takeaways about sanctuary cities number one Muzaffar points out there is no clear definition of a sanctuary city they originated when churches started offering help to immigrants from el salvador which brings me to number two 
The commonly used definition is that laws tend to protect the undocumented immigrants in those cities from being deported regardless of the federal immigration law. And number three, the Tenth Amendment allows cities to protect the information of people seeking refuge in that sanctuary city without being questioned. And when it comes to cities versus states, Muzaffar says just as there can be blue spots within red states and red spots within blue states, there can be sanctuary cities within states that don't hold that same status. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on Sanctuary Cities. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.